This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every single morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for joining me and making this a part of your morning routines. It is very much appreciated. I hope you had a fantastic week. You've made it to the weekend. Uh, it's FA Cup weekend, of course, as well. And we've got plenty of interesting games and results to discuss this morning, of course, after yesterday's fixtures um but we're going to jump into the chat box first and say good morning to those that have joined us thank you so much to those that have damien good morning to you to matt tomo to kaiser to matt g to peter to john not paul arasilki glenn sweating merlo maximius we've got nsw and pika who and black shine we've got amira olawale grantley poos ab rich louis lars temi uh, Babatundi, Shari, Stephen. Uh, we've got Rob, Bob, and Granddaddy Guna, and Martin, and Patrick, and Mark, and Jose, and Mr. Ray. I'm reading out more because I know there are some listeners that absolutely enjoy to the core me reading out as many names as possible. Uh, Grandmaster Hoot joining us as well. <laughs> Viking, Vivian, Eddie, Adam, Alpha, Tupop. Thank you so much, guys and girls, for tuning in. It is really very much appreciated. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. It takes you just a second to click that little thumbs up button, and it does really help us out. So that would be certainly appreciated. Right. Uh, after FA Cup. Let's talk about FA Cup, shall we? Because um, yesterday we completed more results. Of course, Thursday's game between Crystal Palace and Everton ended in a nil-nil draw. Um, but Brentford drawing 1-1 with Wolves. That means both of those teams take on a replay in the coming weeks, which obviously will be a frustration for well, both of those teams, to be honest. Um, you really don't want to replay. Fulham beat Rotherham 1-0 uh, in their game. Bobby Decaldova Reed scoring again. He's in some really good form. Is the guy who scored against Arsenal, of course, the winning goal. And Spurs, thanks to a Pedro Porro rocket. I mean, no matter how you support, sometimes you just have to appreciate an amazing goal. And Pedro Porro certainly managed that. And that seemed to be the only way that Spurs were going to break down Burnley in a game which I think perhaps highlights the struggles they're going to have 16 shots to Burnley's 10. Um, they had 64% possession, but couldn't do much with it. Um, and maybe without 
Yumin Son, who is at the Asia Cup. That is going to be a little bit of an indication of what's going on. Uh, Ange Postacoglu had a very interesting press conference after the game in which he said an injury to Ben Davies, and he was asked about if that would affect his... Um, if that would mean that they wouldn't therefore be selling Eric Dyer if it had any impact on that deal. And he simply said no <laughs> in regards to that, as in, no, we're still going to sell Eric Dyer. So that's a transfer line from outside of Arsenal to, to keep an eye on, it seems, as well. Right. Shall we jump into the chat box? Uh, no, we won't, because I don't know why we would do that before going through our slides. We'll jump into the chat box, but it'll be in part two. Uh, of course, you can check out our recent Liverpool preview, Arsenal against Liverpool in the FA Cup tomorrow. We did our preview last night. It's the latest live upload on the channel before this show. So please, please do uh, go and give that one a watch. I was joined by three fantastic guests, Chris, Kean, and debutant Bryce joined me to talk all things Arsenal-Liverpool. So if you haven't yet watched that, make that your next one up after this show. Moving into our stories, however, and the BBC have reported that Palace do indeed remain keen on signing Eddie Nketiah. Uh, however, um, that interest that has existed since before this window into the last window and perhaps before that, a sale seems to still be unlikely with Arsenal expecting a very big fee for Eddie Nketiah on one which they would look to try to reinvest, of course, but they're reluctant to let Eddie Nketiah go with Mikel Arteta seeing the player as an important part of his plans for the season and beyond. They gave him that brand new contract, of course, to not only protect his value, but as a show of faith, they gave him the number 14 shirt, of course, as well. But um, it seems as though Arsenal are indeed reluctant and staying firm on that position as this story develops. But if anything changes, you can be sure that we will talk about it. Kieran Tierney. I know that there are a number of you that have been calling on Arsenal to recall Kieran Tierney, but that is not going to happen. Not because of anything Arsenal have said or done, but because of Kieran Tierney's own position on things. In a interview over the last couple of days, he said that several people have asked me if I was going to return to Arsenal now, and the answer is no. I'm going to stay here at Real Sociedad for sure. As for staying here longer, the decision is not mine, but the only thing I can say is that I love playing for Real and I'm enjoying it very much. Everything is fine with Mikel Arteta. Last year, I didn't play uh, I didn't play, and spent a lot of time on the bench, but this is football. I have no problem with it. I had almost no injuries. I played about 30 games coming off the bench, but I felt fine. Everyone knows that the Premier League is much more money. All clubs competing in that league can buy footballers for €30 million. Euros. It's quite a low amount, Kieran, I think, significantly more than that. Um, that's the big difference, he says. But when it comes to quality, I don't think uh, I agree about the difference between the leagues. I think La Liga has extraordinary footballers. A really interesting and honest interview there from Kieran Tierney talking about the capacity for him to leave. He seems very focused and set on staying with Real until at least at the end of the season and maybe beyond. I think he recognises that his time at Arsenal is very difficult um, to see a future with. The role that has changed in that position has obviously meant that he can't play to his maximum capacity because his different style of fullback and that he's enjoying himself in, in, in Spain. And I think from an Arsenal point of view, you know, we want Kieran Tierney to do well because we want Kieran Tierney, if indeed he does decide to move on in the summer or Arsenal decide to sell him, to go for a, a good amount of money. Uh, his contract with Arsenal expires in 2026. It's not like he's down to one year left on his deal. He has two years left on that contract. And so therefore, we want him to do well and then we can try and get a very good fee for him with that amount of time that remains on his deal with the club. So I think it's a positive thing. He stays. He continues to perform well. Hopefully he stays injury-free, but that's never a guarantee with, with Kieran. 
But uh, yeah, let's keep those fingers crossed that uh, it works out well for all parties in the end. Uh, and lastly, Mikel Arteta's press conference uh, took place yesterday. He was asked about a number of topics, including the latest team news on Alexander Zinchenko. So he said that he's progressing well. We have another training session tomorrow and we evaluate whether he is available or not to play the start of the game. And as for the rest, there is no actual news. He was pressed on Thomas Partey not going to the African Cup of Nations and he says it was about common sense. He has a long-term injury and he really wants to push his rehab. He really wanted to be with the national team, but he is still far from training with the team and it didn't make a lot of sense for him to be involved. Arteta was asked a little bit further about um, how if he will be out for weeks or months. He says, hopefully it's weeks. How many weeks it will be will depend a little bit on how long the next step of training with the team will take him. But he's progressing well. On Urien Timber, he says, unfortunately, there's a very long-term injury. He's doing really well, but he's still far from being fit to train with the team or something to compete with the team. So we don't expect him back anytime soon. It's what we have. The situation that we have now as well with Tommy having to leave and we have to cope with that. And I think this is important. Remember, I, I really did stress to people to stop getting their hopes up about a really early return for Jury and Timber. I've said for quite some time, the earliest I would ever expect Jury and Timber back is March. That has been the timeline ever since the injury. And that continues to be the timeline, unless there was a significant step up that saw him return to training in February, that we might get him back a little bit sooner. But those suggestions of training in Jan, training in early Feb, never, ever, ever were on the cards. Don't really understand where they came from, to be honest. He was also asked about Fabio Vieira, and he said he's doing well, but it was a surgery that required two different things to get results, which is quite an interesting um, response. He carries on by saying the first signs are good. Obviously, he is still a bit far from where we want him to be, um, but he needs to keep working, and hopefully in the next few weeks we can have him. So it was a surgery that required two separate fixes um, for Fabio Vieira. Whether or not he's been playing with a knock, um, we don't really know the the full extent, the intricate details, if you like, of that injury. Um, but to hear that it required two separate fixes um, is very intriguing indeed. He was asked, obviously, about the transfer window, about whether left-back is a priority. He says, we are open in the transfer market, but again, the emphasis is on making the most out of the players that we have. We will work together with the club to understand whether there are any possibilities and if we have any good options. But first of all, focus on the players that we have. And he was asked whether they may not do any business in January, to which he said that that is a possibility. So no transfers in January. Arteta admitting there is certainly something that could end up happening. I've tried to stress for quite some time that there are restrictions on what Arsenal can do. It's not about defending the club in any way. Trust me, I'd rather they spent the money. Um, but the reality is that the situation is that Arsenal have those restrictions in place and that makes things very, very difficult for Arsenal to do the business that they might want to do. Right, let's go to part two and your questions right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. All right, then. Um, Question marks, yeah? Uh, Let's go into the chat, shall we? Let's scroll up a little bit. And uh, and get your thoughts. Um, howdy, Tom Katz, says old Dave. Sorry for my lateness. You're forgiven. Uh, Charles says, morning, Tom. Why is it so hard for Mikel Arteta to play Smith-Rowe in the left centre mid position? He can do that with Kai and progress the ball potentially better. Um, I think it's the defensive output of Smith-Rowe that's probably a concern for Arteta. That, that side of his game is not necessarily as successful um, as what Arteta would like to commit to him playing in that position. So I think that probably... Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, probably affects things. Uh, Champions Bar says, morning, Tom. Do you think Arsenal are overcoached? Overcoached? Well, we're in a title race for a successive season. I think maybe things are a bit too intricate right now. Overcoaching. I mean, I'm not a coach at the end of the day, and I'm assuming that maybe, you, I might be wrong, but maybe you're not. It is difficult to know whether we're overcoached because I'm not one. I can make my assumptions and analysis on the way that we play but it's difficult to know if we're overcoached without being one myself so that that's a trickier thing to analyze whether or not we're overcoached are we doing things too intricately i think maybe we're not trying enough i don't think we're not, we're, we're you know we're not injecting enough invention and idea and unpredictability and urgency into the team but again without being one it's difficult to know if you're over coaching uh maximia says makes sense for kt he has to look after his career first absolutely damien says l'oreal isn't that a beauty product or company no la real is the nickname of real sociedad so uh that clears up that one matt says someone walked to my uh, walked by my apartment in chicago earlier today wearing a liverpool hat would it have been appropriate to yell something out of the window at them uh, just matt i think that they're already there's already enough turmoil in their lives. Um, we don't need to. We don't need to make that worse for them. Just not. No, just knowing they're not an Arsenal fan is enough of a of a, of a pain for them to to live through. Sorry, Ryan Kirkpatrick. Uh, Matt says, "Do you think Unai Emery would have succeeded with us if he had been able to rename the club Ars Villa?" <laughs> I love that. Um, old Dave says, "Lol, got the shout out anyway." Nice one. Hunter says, "Howdy from Maine, Tom. Uh, do you have any idea about how much Arsenal can spend this window, or staying within the bounds of profit and sustainability?" The honest answer is no. I don't know the ins and outs of the specific budgets that we have. All I know is that Arsenal are prevented from spending what is likely to be a significant, you know, and that goes in quotation marks, of course. Um, it, it could be as little as 10 million quid. It could be as much as, as 50. We we don't know. All I would say is that if Arsenal, Arsenal want to do business, Arsenal want to reinforce, Arsenal have a desire to strengthen their squad. And if the opportunity for them to do that is there and they can see a player that they want. If they were able to go and get them, they would do it. There's no reluctance from Arsenal to spend money. There's no reluctance from Arsenal to not sign a player that they can sign. And the only reason they wouldn't sign a player that they thought was the right profile, the right guy to bring into the team, for any reason they wouldn't do it, then it's not because they don't have the money. That is not going to be the reason. So if there is a player that they want and they could get, but know that profit and sustainability rules would stop, then they can't go and do that. If there is a player that they could go and get, because there is the financial freedom to do it, even with the rules, 
but they don't want them, they won't go and get them. So I know that there's been suggestions about Paolo Dybala. I've made that suggestion myself, that if Arsenal wanted to go and get a cheap centre-forward, he's about 10 million quid this window up until January 15th because of a release clause. You can go and add Paolo Dybala to your team if you want to. But if they don't think that Dybala is the right player, they won't go and do that deal. 30 years of age, of course, the age profile might not be right. Sehu Garassi, another one, 15 million quid release clause. If they don't think he's the right guy, they won't go and get him, even if they have the money available to go and do that. They have to feel that the player is right. It's not to do with a reluctance to spend. We used to like, you complain and point fingers at Arsenal and say, you just aren't reluctant to spend. You'd rather have the money in your pockets than spend them. And we know that now the Cronkies have taken full control of the club since 2018. That isn't the case. If they want to spend it's because they want to spend and they are spending. They clearly have shown that they want to spend and improve the squad and increase the team's capacity to compete. So if they spend, it's because they, they can. If they don't spend, I would imagine it's because they aren't able to spend the way that they want to. Um, so there you go. Uh, James says, Arsenal never spend money. Why? He's trying to wind me up. I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm not going to bite to your, your quibbles. Uh, Pritham says, is Anana a pure DM or can he play box to box? How he fit. He's more of a pure D DM. Um, he doesn't have the same like progressiveness as a as a box to box midfielder. He would be a sitter uh, in that number six role for me if we were to bring him in. Um, if it was a choice between him and Zubamendi, I'm choosing Zubamendi. I think Zubamendi is a fantastic progressor of the ball and a six as well. So I would choose the Spaniard over the Belgian. Uh, Exodus says, because you can only spend if your club makes massive revenues, Arsenal is not that big of a club, apparently. Real Madrid spends like there's no tomorrow. Um, it's interesting because the thing about Real Madrid, and there's a few misconceptions uh, about Real Madrid's transfers. You have to remember that profit and sustainability rules are a Premier League restriction. So that's the first thing to point out. Real Madrid are don't work under profit and sustainability rules. Real Madrid work under uh, FFP, which is a, as, as we do, we work under FFP, which is a UEFA um, style of, of practice. But you say that Real Madrid spend like there's no tomorrow. Yes, in the summer, they brought in Jude Bellingham for a massive amount of money. But that was the only major signing they did. They brought in Arda Gula for about 15 million pounds and Fran Garcia for just under five million, around 5 million euros, about 3, 4 million pounds. You look at the season before that, they brought Chuameni uh, and they brought in Rudiger on a free. That same window, they sold Casemiro, they sold Boyha Moyoral, they sold Takafusa Kubo, they sold Miguel Gutierrez, and they made more money during that window than they actually expended. If you look at the season before that, they bought Eduardo Camavinga and they brought in David Alaba on a free. They sold Rafa Varane. They sold Odegaard. They loaned Brahim Diaz on loan and got a loan fee for him. They made more money in that window than they spent. You look at the window before that. They didn't buy a single player. Not one in 2021. They sold Ashraf Hakimi, they sold Sergio Regulon, they sold Oscar Rodriguez, they sold Jorge de Frotas, and they sold Javi Sanchez. And they loaned a few players. And they sold Alberto Soro and Danny Gomez as well, and they loaned a fair few more on top of that, including Odegaard, of course, to Arsenal. And they got, over, they got around £100 million during that year. You look at the season before that, that's where they spent big. Eden Hazard, Luka Jovic, Eden Militao, Fulamendi, Amondi, uh, Rodrigo, Renier, uh, Alberto Soro. They spent around £300 million that summer. But they still sold Mateo Kovacic, Marcus Llorente, Teo Hernandez, Raul de Tomas, Kayla Navas. And they made about £100 million. So they offset that really, really well. And in the following seasons, of course, they made money back. 
you want to go to the season before that, they bought Vinicius Junior, Thibaut Courtois, Alvaro Odriozola, uh, Mariano Diaz. But they sold Cristiano Ronaldo that season. So it balances things out. So whilst we say Real Madrid spends like there's no tomorrow, because there's actually, if we look into the club and what they do, Real Madrid, actually they don't. They don't spend like you might think they do. They buy really, really well. They're smart about finding those big free transfers. Arsenal have not been in the same position where they can sign Antonio Rudiger and David Alaba on free transfers. And not only that, but they have the benefit of being Real Madrid. And what I mean by that is that if Eduardo Camavinga is going for 30 million quid from Ren, then they're going to get Eduardo Camavinga because no one else is going to compete. And he's only want to go, he's only going to want to go to Real Madrid. Having that stature and that stock, that you know, that's that's really important. Now Exodus follows this up with. Real Madrid buys really, really well, is what you're saying. Well, we buy Kai Havertz. Now, you say that, but Eden Hazard for Real Madrid has not been a good signing. Luka Jovic has not been a good signing for them. You know, they don't always get it right. They don't always buy. Alvaro Odriozola, they signed for Real Sociedad for 30-odd million quid. Mariana Diaz, they signed for like 80 million quid. It doesn't always work out for Real Madrid in terms of their signing. So they buy shrewdly, but not perfectly. And that's the same for Arsenal. We buy shrewdly, but not perfectly. There's actually a lot of similarities between the way that Real Madrid invest in their team and the way that we do. The only difference between them is obviously Real Madrid's heritage and their history and their stature is, of course, bigger than Arsenal's. So if they want to go and get uh, if they want to go and get like David Alaba on a free or Rudiger on a free, they can do that. And Takeshi in the chat box points out that Real Madrid also wanted Kai Havertz in the summer. Real Madrid were keen on signing Kai Havertz. So Exodus, whilst we point to the fact that Real Madrid maybe are a team that we should be looking toward emulating, ironically, we actually do business quite similarly in some ways. Them, The only difference is that in, in terms of the sales. Selling-wise, we need to be better. Sales-wise, we can't match them in that area yet. And that's because well, we haven't had the, the resources to sell well. We haven't had the ability to do that. Now we do. So when we sell Nketiah and sell Nelson and sell Ramsdale and sell perhaps Smith-Rowe and sell you know, some of these other players that aren't getting enough minutes, we need to sell well. So that is that is the entire point of this. Um, so I hope that all made sense. And I hope that little case study into Real Madrid's transfers perhaps shed some light on... Um, Maybe some misconceptions people have had about both clubs. Um, Black Halo Man says, uh, Hey, Tom, I'm excited for St. Pancras to Ebbsfleet to be a disaster getting home tomorrow. There is no St. Pancras to Ebbsfleet disaster tomorrow, mate. Um, the only way you're getting home is from Cannon Street, I'm afraid, if you're going through Southeast. Um, so just prepare for that. That's my understanding, unless that's changed and I haven't checked the timetables yet. But when I checked the other day, there was no trains through St. Pancras on Sunday. Neither are they the tubes as well. Tubes are going to be a big, big problem. Uh, tomorrow as well. Ewegbu says, uh, this is what I do and Arteta wants to do with Arsenal, just like Real Madrid. They're going to be a massive shake-up in the summer and Arteta looks like he wants to build up a new team. I don't think that's necessarily completely accurate, Ewegbu, but I do think that there's going to be some changes. I do think we're getting into that next phase of the project where players that Arteta has actually signed are being replaced. Ramsdale being obviously quite a big one. You never know. We might see the likes of Gabriel get replaced very soon. We may not want to see them replaced, but who knows? And that's then going to create a new challenge for Arteta. And that new challenge is disharmony in the dressing room. Because when you make big calls of a big squad and you make big calls with players that have been starting games, you start to create questions. Players start to get unhappy. 
And Arteta actually in his press conference yesterday said a really interesting answer. Um, let me see if I can find it. Here we go. He was asked about whether he would stand in a player's way if they wanted to go. And he said, it depends on the situation in the squad. We want to help the players to fulfill their feelings. But as well, they need to understand that they are part of a team and a squad that has been assembled and planned with them in the squad. And you don't always get what you want. Maybe they wanted something different six months ago, a new contract or another individual target. So it doesn't always go your way. I'm just going to read those last couple of sentences to you again, because I think they're important. Maybe they wanted something different six months ago, a new contract or another individual target. So it doesn't always go your way. Really pointed, poignant, and accurate talking from Arteta. Not really holding back in that answer either. I think there's perhaps something about Aaron Ramsdale in that. Of course, he signed a contract and wanted to sign that new contract only six months ago. Now the situation has changed. And now I think Aaron Ramsdale's perspective on the club has, of course, changed. And that's understandable. He's not playing. And I think quite harshly so, there has been... Mi not Mismanagement is a, is a really abrupt term. I think there's been mistakes in the way that we've handled the Ramsdale situation. I think he could have played more minutes. I think he deserved to play more minutes. And I don't necessarily think that we brought in a goalkeeper that has pushed the needle enough to justify the situation that's been created. But what we have to understand and recognise is that these situations are going to become more frequent because Arteta is going to have to start replacing players that he bought. He's going to have to start trying to upgrade on the team into positions that he invested in. Gabriel Jesus, Olizana Zinchenko, Ben White, Gabriel, Partey, even the likes of Martin Odegaard one day, you never know. You, you, It's difficult to know, you know, but we're going to start losing players there or start changing players that he bought. And that is going to create challenges in the dressing room. And as the manager, it is up to you to deal with that. Pep Guardiola has managed to do that expertly for a long period of time. And one of the big ways that he's been able to do that is, of course, regardless of what alleged activities are going on at Manchester City, one of the big things behind that has, of course, been the fact that they win things. They can convince you to stay for a bit. You may not get as many minutes as other players. You may be able to rotate effectively as well. He's also really good at rotating his team. But winning things is also something that keeps players happy. And that's what Arteta needs to instill in this team as well. Uh, Sean says, Dan, this is the best show I've enjoyed since I started watching. You broke down the Madrid thing really good. Thanks, mate. That's very kind of you. I hope that um, other people learnt things as well. Uh, Gashers says, general question for you, Tom. I've been to all bar two home games this season. However, not a single away game. What's the trick to getting tickets? Um, of course, the away system works on a point system. It's really difficult. Unless you're a season ticket holder, it can be really tricky to get away tickets unless you have other means of getting them. I would never, ever, ever recommend going through unofficial channels because it is always going to be a significant to you and your bank account if you choose to do that. Away games are great. Away games are certainly worth an experience to enjoy. And we have some of the best, if not the best, away fans in the league. So... If you can get them, they're like gold dust, um, then go. But it can be very, very difficult. Temi says, is Arteta's fixation on Eddie Nketiah a flaw in his management? Um, surely he must know that you can't win major honours with Eddie starting games. Temi, that's probably true. But he also doesn't tend to start Eddie Nketiah in too many games unless he has to. I know he started him against Fulham, of course, but Gabby Jesus would just play three days prior and had missed some clear chances. So... Starting games, no. But the big problem for me, Temi, is actually it's not about starting games with Eddie. It's actually about the issues with Eddie coming off the bench in games. That's the bigger problem with him. I think he's got something like one goal in 40-plus matches coming off the bench for Arsenal. That's not good enough. 
that needs to improve and change. Otherwise, what is the point in having him? Because he's not starting games for us. He doesn't start for us on a regular basis, does Eddie Nketiah. And so if you're not starting games, you need to be impactful when you come off the bench, like Trossard has been for us, for instance. Eddie isn't that, and that's why we need to change things. Um, James says, I feel like Pep has done that about 115 times. <laughs> As he says, the microscope telescope analogy tells me Arteta is pierced. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's just read through that analogy that he said. Let me find it. Uh, telescope. Here we go. He says, on if um, he's worried about the form, he says it's affected the momentum that we had until Christmas Day. We were top of the league. Six days later, we are fourth. So you can be very tempted to look at things with a microscope or with a telescope and look a little bit further and with a little bit more perspective. My job, big time, is to look through the telescope and have perspective and analyze things in the proper way and not get affected by one performance, not the result, one performance. <laughs> yeah, when Arteta starts going off on his analogies, you know that he's certainly rattled a bit, but I think heard about his analogies on how he drives to work and at that period of time things were a little bit up in the air there were question marks about us as well so yeah let's wait and see uh, rob bob says impactual good made up tom word yes i don't think impactual is a word is it it's impactive impactive i suppose is, is probably a word um but impactual it's definitely a, a TGT-ism, if you like. That's what we're going to start calling. I think we should probably invent a dictionary of our TGT-isms. Impactual, reactionary. Uh, is, no, is reactionary a word? We're a very reactionary fan base, I often say, and I'm, I'm not sure if it is. Apparently, it is a word, but I don't think it... I, don't, I think there's a way that we talk about... like What's the word that I use that I know is definitely not a word? Reactionary is a word. Reactive is a word. But I say something else about our Arsenal fans being, we're too something. And I, I know that it's not a word, but I can't think of what it is. It's probably because it isn't a word. <laughs> so there you go. TGT-isms, though. We can get a hashtag TGT-ism every time we come up with a word that's definitely not a word that we use as a word. Footballistically speaking, I often use that. Is that is that a word, footballistically? Um I think maybe we've invest, invented that word, but I think footballistically is another one. I used to often use that. Matt G, fickle is definitely a word, but I know I use it. These are, the, the definition of what we're saying a TGTism is, is a word that I use that definitely does not exist. Doesn't exist. And impactual is definitely one of those words. Um, transformative. I think sometimes we say that, and I'm pretty sure that transformative is is not necessarily used in the same way that I would transformational no is that a word I, I used to talk about Thomas Partey arriving at Arsenal as a transformational signing I don't know if transformational is is, is a word or not I think it may be a, become a word uh, but there you go um, we used to use those but there you go impactful is definitely the word that I should use but I like impactual <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to use that moving forwards, even though it definitely isn't one. Uh, Maximus says, Tom, I heard a stat about Pep, uh, that the only two managers who beat him to the title had their own identity. Does this mean that Arteta has to work at, on moving out of Pep's shadow to become successful? I think the reality of the situation is that he's never going to do that. Arteta is always going to be in, in Pep's shadow because he worked under him. He worked as his apprentice. He's always going to be known as working as the guy that was to take the mantle of Pep Guardiola. That's always what he's going to be known as. The, the, the way in which he successfully forges his own path is by winning things. That's what he does. Um, that That's what Arteta needs to ultimately do, um, is forge his own path by winning things. And that will take time. People say after four years, we spent a lot of money and we've not won enough. 
And if that's your opinion, I can't, you know, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because it's subjective. In my personal opinion, to get Arsenal into a title-winning team was never going to happen in four years. I didn't even think it would happen in five or six, to be honest. But we have gone way further already than I thought we would. In Arteta's third full season at the club, he managed to get us into a title race with Manchester City, and I find that staggering. You know, and to be honest, it's it's about what happens next. If the big reason as to why Arsenal cannot win the title is Arteta, and if it becomes very clear that Arteta is the big reason, then we can... Whilst Arsenal are still very much in the frame in the picture and moving in a direction of trying to compete, then that is fine by me. It's not going to be for everybody and that's fine. But at the moment, there certainly is not a coach out there that I think could replace him. I mean, I've seen Arsenal fans who are critics of Arteta say Xabi Alonso should. Now, right now, Xabi Alonso has won nothing. He could go on and win the Bundesliga this season. I think he's being basically seen as the future of Real Madrid. I think he's probably going to be Real Madrid's future head coach. I can see that happening. Um, but I think there's a bit of an irony or an hypocrisy, if you like, about wanting Xabi Alonso to take over from Arteta. Because Xabi Alonso is, not, is a project manager and he's working his project at Bayer Leverkusen right now. If you turn around and said that you wanted Ancelotti, if you wanted um, you know, players, like managers with the pedigree of winning things, Allegri, I guess you could maybe talk about to take Arsenal to that next level. But there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to do that. You know, you look at the, the appointments that have been made at other clubs and it's not worked out. Just because you've won things elsewhere doesn't mean you're going to win things at Arsenal. Zidane's a really interesting one you see suggested because he only won things at Real Madrid. A club that he knew the inside and outs of because he worked there at the youth team and then went for, why is he not taking a job anywhere else since? There's a really big question mark about that. Why has that not worked out? You know, um, Tuchel, says Aki. You know, Tuchel's a really interesting one. Eventually, it really fizzled out at, at Chelsea, um, despite winning the Champions League, you know. And now he's at Bayern Munich and Bayer Leverkusen are giving him a really good run for his money in the Bundesliga. And Borussia Dortmund should have probably won the league last season as well, although I don't think. Was he in charge, Tuchel? At the end of last season, I don't think he was. Uh, Vesman says, first time joining live from the States. I enjoy the show. Keep up the good work, Tom. Thank you, mate. It's really kind of you to drop in a super chat. Very, very kind of you indeed. Jimbo also dropped one in as well earlier. Says, sorry I was late. Um, question, morning, Tom. If we cease buying or loaning in players this month, do you think we will spend a lot in the summer? It's different in the summer because your slate is effectively, not wiped clean, if you like, but of course, you're monitored over a three-year period under profit and sustainability rules where you can make a loss each year. We're still in that year where we might be making that loss and we need to worry about that. Champions League revenue is going to help. Player sales of the likes of Balogun have certainly helped, but we've spent a lot of money. You know, we spent 200 odd million and we need to be worried about that. We need to be concerned about the fact that we've spent that amount of money. We still need to comply with those rules. Vegas Gunner says, Tom, do you think we won't get anyone new until we move Cedric or El Nenny to free up space in the squad? Aren't we maxed out with 26 players? We can only register 25 players. Um, it's worthy of asking that question. It's also, someone pointed out to me, I think, in a comment section or a tweet the other day that, you know, we need to worry about the homegrown quota. We always talk about selling Nketiah and Smith-Rowe and Ramsdale and Nelson. These are all homegrown players. Now, there's not a rule specifically on how many homegrown players you must have in the squad, but there is a rule on how many non-homegrown players, which is 17. You can register 17 non-homegrown players. So if we let Ramsdale and Nketiah and Smith-Rowe and Nelson go, we're going to have to start looking at some English players, so which is why I see sometimes the benefit of Dominic Solanke as potentially an option at centre-forward. 
um, to, to bring in some competition at a reasonable price tag if that is indeed what is available for in the summer. Whereas Tony for £100 million is just a bit crazy. Um, even though, of course, he would also count as homegrown. And that's why Ural Hato, is in, it's important to point out, is an option for Arsenal, because if he spends three, year, three years at Arsenal before the age or um, between the ages of 18 and 21, he would become homegrown for us as well. So that's also worth pointing out. Uh, Youngskin says, Tom, we don't need to worry about January transfer windows. Edu knows what he is doing. We just need to pass the Liverpool test tomorrow. I do have faith in, in Edu as a technical director, uh, or as a sporting director, I should say, since his promotion. He won the best director award in 2023, and I think that was a very clear reason why he won that award, because he's managed to build a very good squad with Arteta. He gets the deals that Arteta wants done if he can. Now, it's not always possible. We can't always sign Lissandra Martinez or Rafinha or Mudrik or uh, Mason Mount even at times, you know. But when we try and get the deals done, we can. The player wants to come to Arsenal. We can beat Man City to Declan Rice. Huge props to our to Arteta and Edu for getting that deal done, of course. Edu's got to get those deals done. We can only work within the confines of what restrictions we are working to, but we are still doing a very good job in recruitment. I know sometimes it doesn't convince everybody. That's fine. I don't think I really think you're going to struggle to ever be convinced if you're not convinced now. But uh yeah, I think we're in a really good place. Um, Matt G says, let's get that Bellingham lad. Which one? They're both exciting. You're never going to get Jude, but maybe you can get Job. Um, Sunderland player who's going to be playing against Newcastle, of course. Exciting talent. Still only 18, I think, years of age and, and doing really well in the championship. He's going to be getting plenty of credit. There is something about the name. I think the name definitely will add more attention and price to him. Um, but that's that's worth it. Rob says, the five-stage plan Arteta talked about, where are we and how far ahead are we? I, I don't know. Only he knows. Um, you know, that's the, it's the only... Only way we'd ever know is if he told us. Um, we don't know. He only knows. The club only knows. There you go. Um, right. Thank you so much for listening, people. Really appreciate your time. We're going to drop the show there. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy yourselves. I'm, watched, I'm off to watch some football today. Gillingham against Sheffield United in the FA Cup. Then tomorrow I'll be at the Emirates for Arsenal against Liverpool. Very much excited for that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe. Stay well. Stay happy. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mook delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.